Whether you are new to homesteading or a seasoned sustainable homesteader, a simple homesteading life is what we all desire to achieve. Hello there, and welcome to the Simple Homesteading Life podcast. I'm Anne, author of the Farm Girl's Guide to Preserving the Harvest, curator of a farmgirlinthemaking.com, and encourager to those who seek to live a simple homesteading life. Join me and my family as we transform a single family mountainside home on two acres into a fully functioning sustainable homestead right outside of Seattle, Washington. Each week, we'll talk about seasonally-based homesteading topics, such as growing and raising your own food, preserving the harvest, cooking from scratch, animal husbandry, DIY projects, living a chemical-free life, and how to establish a new homestead. In addition to the items mentioned, we're also going to discuss the raw emotions behind establishing a functioning homestead and the importance of finding your tribe. Join me weekly and not miss a single thing by adding a simple homesteading life to your favorite podcast channel. Ready to begin? Grab a cup of coffee and let's get started. Welcome to episode seven, and this episode is called Your Canning Questions Answered. So I took off to Facebook and Instagram to find individuals who needed assistance in regards to canning, whether it was for pressure canning, hot water bath canning, or steam canning, to try to help them ease their fears in regards to why and what is stopping them from moving forward and canning as a sustainable homesteader would. Now, canning is only one aspect of how we preserve foods, especially if you are um, homesteading uh, homesteading on a full-time basis. So I have a plethora of questions from you guys that I'm going to be reading and answering it one by one. And hopefully by the end of this episode, you're going to have the confidence and the answers that you need to be able to preserve food through the home canning process. So stay tuned, grab your coffee. This is going to be good. And um, or drink or whatever you're doing or take me to the garden. I don't really care. But this is going to be a good episode for you guys because, believe it or not, there are many of you guys who do not yet have the confidence to move forward and can. So let's get started. For those of you who don't know, I love Q&A time. I love question and answer time, whether I'm speaking publicly or whether or not it's on one of my group pages or on Instagram or on Facebook. It doesn't matter. I love Q&A because there's always something to be learned in Q&A, not just from me teaching you guys, but from you guys teaching me because you challenge me to make sure that my information that I'm giving you is correct and the best information possible. So we're going to jump right into it and we're going to take question number one. The first question is, does my pressure canner need to be recalibrated each year? And if so, where do I take it to get it done? The answer is yes, your pressure canner should be recalibrated every single year. I know most of us don't do it. However, if there is a service that is readily available to you, do it. There's nothing. There's a very minimal charge for it. Um, The local extension office will be able to do it for you. A lot of fire departments actually will do it for you as well, too. Um, And sometimes if you are doing it during fair time, there is someone at the fairgrounds that will help you calibrate your pressure canner. In addition to these places, you can go ahead and send it back to the manufacturer. For example, Presto will take it for free, but you are paying the shipping cost to send it there and have them send it back to recalibrate your pressure canner. Your best bet is to find it at a local extension office near you or a tilth location that will actually recalibrate it for you. And just make sure that that dial gauge is reading properly. Now, there is a separate way you can do it as well, too. 
if it is not convenient or financially sound for you to ship this pressure canner out to get recalibrated, here's a hint. Consider buying a new dial for your pressure canner and more than likely that is going to be efficient for you. It's the dial that gets wonky in a pressure canner that makes the recalibration process necessary. So if you go ahead and buy a new dial gauge, especially from the manufacturer, that will more than likely do the trick for you. And I cannot guarantee that's going to do the trick, but I will tell you that's how I recalibrate, recalibrate my pressure canner each year. I get a new dial gauge directly from the manufacturer. Question number two, can a pressure cooker be used as a pressure canner? Unfortunately, the answer is no. A pressure cooker cannot be used as a pressure canner. There is nothing in a pressure cooker that determines the actual PSI, pounds per pressure, that is in your canner. And you are going to need to know what your PSI are to be able to ensure that your goods have been processed in a very safe manner. So sorry, no, you guys, no pressure cookers in substitute for a pressure canner. A pressure canner is equipped to determine how much pounds per pressure is in the actual canner, okay? Food is processed through the use of steam, much like a pressure cooker. However, with a dial gauge, like people like me who are a little bit OCD, need to know how many pounds per pressure is in the canner, and a dial gauge does exactly that. When you're using a weighted gauge pressure canner, the weights are added 5, 10, 15 pounds, and your food is processed via that way. You could hear the weights tick, 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 and you'll know that the steam is actually working to do the job that it needs to do. However, in a pressure cooker, it does not do that. So it is never safe to use that. So I hope that explained it just a little bit more because one of the other questions in here will get a little bit more into depth for what you need for that. On to our next question. What is a steam canner and is it safe? A steam canner is one of my most favorite, favorite canning tools of all time. It processes um, high acidic food items such as jams, jellies, pickled items, marmalade, those kind of items that normally would be processed in a hot water bath canner with a, the use of steam instead of boiling water. Okay, so this tool actually works great for those with a glass top stove. And um, the reason why is because it only utilizes two inches of water. It holds the same amount of jars as a hot water bath canner would. And then it comes with a dome lid. And through that process, the heat generates steam. The steam then accumulates in the dome lid and it processes the food in that sense. Best canning tool to be approved by the National Center of Home Food Preservation. The price range runs um, about anywhere from $46 to $76 on that tool. And it is perfectly safe. It was approved for use in 2015. And I'm going to tell you, it has revolutionized the process of canning high acidic food items. I rarely ever use my hot water bath canner anymore. And the only times that I do is if I'm processing tomatoes that I don't want to use a pressure canner for. So, do you need a steam canner? Absolutely. I will post the links in my descriptions here on what it is, where to purchase it from, and the best one to buy. So you guys need to look into this if you don't already own a steam canner. The next question, the best pressure canner to use and size on a glass top stove. There are three types of pressure canners in which you can purchase. The first one is an all-American canner. It is heavy. It is a solid, solid piece of machinery that is actually designed to be you know, basically gifted to the next generation. It is a beast. It will last you a long time, but it comes with a very hefty price tag and it's a heavy piece of equipment. So if you have a glass top stove, 
I would really not recommend it, even though most glass-top stoves, especially if you buy newer modern ones, are a little bit more equipped for canning, I would be hesitant because by the time the jars are in it, the water is in it, and the weight of the canner itself to use it on a glass-top stove. Now, we also have a weighted gauge, weighted gauge pressure canner and a dial gauge pressure canner. Both of those come in two various sizes, a 16 quart and a 23 quart. Ideally, what I would use, and I'm basing this on personal preference, is stick with a 16 quart pressure canner on a glass top stove. So you still have to be very cautious. You don't want to be sliding it all over the stove top. You don't want to move it until you actually remove the jars out of it. You still have to be very cautious. However, the weight is very, very minimal compared to a 23 quart. A 23 quart pressure canner is designed to stack additional jars on top of each other. We're talking like you can stack three rows of half pint jars. You could stack um, two rolls of pint, two rows of pint sized jars and a single row of quart sized jars. But again, you're on a glass top stove, and I would stick to something a little bit smaller, like a 16 quart pressure canner. So this question came, things we think we might not can, but we actually can can. It's almost a catch-22 question. So let me explain this to you. Um, you know, there are rules and different things that have changed over the years in regards to what can be done and what can't be done. For example, let's talk about the use of herbs. Um, prior to 2017, 2000, uh, between 2015 and 2017, it was mandated that you actually use a recipe to the T based on what the National Center for Home Food Preservation offered or Ball Blue Book offered. However, in these recent years, it has been noted, and you can find this information on the National Center for Home Food Preservation's website, that now you do not need to stick to those recipes to a T. For example, if you don't like cilantro in your um, salsa, you can remove, remove it. You're not going to adjust the pH balance on that. You can. Um, you don't have to add herbs to anything at all. You can add additional herbs if you would like. You can supplement the herbs that you want to put into your canned foods if you would like. People don't realize that over the years, you need to really refresh everything that you've learned, that it's not the same as when your great-grandmama did it or when you first started canning, or if you're new to canning, you are going to want to continually educate yourself on the change, okay? So now, you know, instead of following a strict recipe to a T, you can actually make modifications to the recipe. Create your own preserving recipes, especially if you're pressure canning them, or if you want to do something on a hot water bath canner. There is no set recipe anymore. So there are two types of canners in the world. There are the rebel traditional canners and then there are the um, uh, strict scientific canners. I am one of those that walks in the middle that has educated herself on both sides. And I am very happy to know both sides of the aspect of preserving foods at home. And I do make my decisions based on what I know and what I've been educated on and how to move forward with it. So that's one of the things that you can do. Something else that you can can that you didn't realize you can can is my maple maple bacon bourbon jam. So this is a pressure canned recipe. And the reason why it is, is because it contains bacon, um, a cut of bacon actually in it. So that is one of the things that people don't know, but once you can it, it is ugly, but it is really good. So something like that, I will have that on my website potentially soon now that I've announced that I actually have been making it for years. Um, 
But that is one of the other things, you know, you have to determine where you're going to can it, whether it's a hot water bath can or steam canner, or if it's going to be a pressure canner. And then on top of that, you can now make amendments. And please, just because the recipe says to add a teaspoon or a tablespoon of salt to a vegetable that you're going to pressure can, you do not need to add salt. The salt does absolutely nothing to preserving that food item. Keep that in mind. It really kills me to see a recipe that says, here, can carrots and add one teaspoon of salt per pint-sized jar. Why? There's nothing in it that scientifically changes the pH balance of that food item to make it safer to be canned. So no, you don't have to adhere to something like that at all. So do not need to follow it. <laughs> all right. So what can I steam can? I should have probably moved that over to the steam canning segment there. But the question is, what can I steam can? You can steam can anything that you would typically hot water bath can. Again, so it's jams, jellies, uh, juice concentrate, marmalade, certain types of salsa, chutneys, um, you know, anything that goes in a hot water bath canner can be steam canned. However, there is a little bit of limitation to a steam canner. In a hot water bath canner, if you needed to process tomatoes, for example, which take anywhere from 40 to 45 minutes to process, depending on what you're putting up, uh, you would add more water to a hot water bath canner. So instead of having the jars covered by one inch of water, you may cover them with two to three inches of water. That will continue the boiling process without the water running dry. In a steam canner, you have 30 minutes to 35 minutes, depending on how high you've set your stovetop to generate through the water to process something. So when it comes to canning tomatoes, for example, I actually prefer to hot water bath my tomatoes or pressure can my tomatoes. But anything else, anything else I use a steam canner for. And if you go to my website, you could see a lot of my current, um, my current blog post will show you the steam canner because I truly, truly believe that the steam canner is going to be your most efficient tool. Heck, it minimized number one, the use of water and number two, the heat that releases in your kitchen during canning season. Can you imagine that? I mean, you know how hot it gets with a hot water bath canner in your kitchen in summertime. Why? Why would you want to do that? The steam canner minimizes the heat immensely. And on top of that, you're it's easier for us who have like, you know, like rheumatoid arthritis like I do to be able to move the canner on and off the stove. It's so much easier, so much easier. So again, anything that's high acidic, you can go ahead and use a steam canner for. Question number seven, what can be canned in each appliance? Well, let me just tell you. Your three tanning tools are going to consist of a hot water bath canner, a steam canner, and a pressure canner. The hot water bath canner and the steam canner process high acidic food items such as jams, jellies, juices, chutneys, marmalade, salsa, um, you know, things like that. That's what they're going to be used for. Pickled items. Did I say that already? So that's what those items are for. Now, those two items, there's they do it in a different way. The hot water bath canner, of course, does it in a boiling water bath. And a steam canner does it with the use of steam. Now, a pressure canner processes low acidic food items. Those items are meats, fish, soups, stews, vegetables, which aren't pickled, ideally, pumpkin, things like that. Those items go into what is the pressure canner. However, you can use a pressure canner as a hot water bath canner. So you're basically going to put your jars in, make sure they're completely submerged with water by at least one inch, and then you're going to put the lid on, and then you're going to have the water go into a boiling rage, and then your processing time starts once that happens. 
So there are differences. You know, some people will say, well, my great grandmama, you know, hot water bath, green beans for four hours and it didn't kill anybody. Okay. This is where the crossing the line comes into play. Number one, who's got four hours to process green beans? I don't. Number two, we know that science has given us the tools to know what it takes to be able to process something in order to kill the bacteria with that's in the jars. So don't cross over and something like that. Take advantage of what science is telling you right now and just go ahead and pressure can them. It's not that long. Green beans takes 25 minutes. That's it. That's all it needs. So, you know, think about things like that when you are trying to get things done. Any vegetable that's not pickled is pressure canned. However, make sure to know that there are certain items in a vegetable form that do not can well, and we can go over that at a later date. Okay. Question number eight, how does elevation affect the processing time? I'm going to preface this with, we're going to break this part up into two segments, the steam canner and the hot water bath canner, and then we'll talk about the pressure canner. So in regards to both of them, however, you have to understand the science behind it. So as the altitude increases, the atmospheric pressure decreases, meaning that the point of boiling water takes a little bit longer and it's going to actually decrease. So to compensate for the lower boiling point of the water, the cooking time must be increased. Okay. So that's, that's basically what it boils down to. And to do that, you have to be able to add that amount of time. You can't just turn up the water and just make it boil faster. You have to add the time to compensate because the boiling point needs to be extended at that time. Now, in regards to a steam canner and a hot water bath canner, elevation is broken up such as zero to 1,000 feet in elevation, and then 1,001 to 3,000 feet. Then it goes 3,001 feet to 6,000 feet, and 6,001 feet to 8,000 feet, and then 8,001 feet to 10,000 feet. Now, each time you shift in the elevation range that I just mentioned, you're increasing your processing time by five minutes. Okay, so this is something that I put in my book. It's on chapter um, page 65. So I had to go back and actually look at it as well, too. Um, so I really talk about this quite a bit in my book. And so if you don't have a copy of my book, I'm going to plug it. Go ahead and grab a copy. It's called The Farm Girl's Guide to Preserving the Harvest. And it really breaks it down for you. Now, in regards to the pressure canner, okay, now the processing time doesn't increase. The PSIs, the pound per pressure, actually increases. So we'll start again between one, um, so up to a thousand feet in elevation, you are normally at 10 PSIs. So from 1,001 to 2,000 feet, you're at 11 PSIs, and then 2,000 to 4,000, uh, 2,001, I'm sorry, to 4,000, you're up to 12. So do you see what I'm saying? So each elevation jump, it actually increases. And that's on page 92 of my book, Under Pressure Canning. So you have to just really be careful when you are looking at a website that shares um, the processing times for something. So I know a lot of us love Pinterest and, you know, Pinterest is, you know, part of my job. I have to promote on Pinterest. However, it's my biggest, worst enemy. When I first started canning, I really relied on what that blog was telling me to pressure can and can my foods at. They would just say, can it for 10 minutes and leave it at that. Then when I started to really get into canning and preserving foods, I realized that that was not correct. That based on elevation is how your food should be processed. So if you um, happen to reach a blog on Pinterest or a website somewhere else, and it just tells you can it for 10 minutes and leaves it at that, I would run run away from that blog and find a blog that's actually going to teach you the elevation. And it's going to tell you 
process it according to your elevation and gives you a chart on that. Okay. So yes, elevation matters. It matters dramatically. And so you definitely want to know what your elevation is. If you don't have a copy of my book, you guys, you can actually go to the National Center for Home Food Preservation and actually put in your elevation and they will be able to tell you what the processing time and the PSIs should be based on the chart that they give you. Question number nine, is there a simple, easy to read canning list that tells a person what are the ways to preserve a particular food item and what size and type of jar which works best for that particular food? That was such a good question, this last question. And I'm going to tell you why, because I do not know of any single website or any single book that breaks it down for you. I don't. I don't know of it at all. As a matter of fact, in episode six, the one right before this, I did talk about the spring garden, the popular items that are grown in the spring garden, and the ways to preserve it. So we're on the same thought path. I just happened to just put it on the podcast. For example, let's take Brussels sprouts. With Brussels, Brussels sprouts, you can pickle it and can it in a hot water bath canner or a steam canner. You can freeze it. You can ferment it. Or you can dehydrate it and create a powder with it and add it to soups or whatever you wanted to use it for. Now, it cannot be pressure canned because the consistency doesn't hold well in that. So you've challenged me to take that information and move it over to my website and try to figure out how I can make this work on that. But in the meantime, go back to episode six. And I plan on doing the same thing with the summer garden as well, too. So take a listen. And that should give you guys a good base and beginning of what is grown in the spring garden and the many ways of preserving it. Question number 10 came from Jackie off my Facebook page. My mom and I were just talking about the need to learn how to can and preserve foods. Now, especially now that we have so many food seeds sprouting, maybe begin at the basics of what we need to learn to get started. I'm going to encourage you to first start with hot water bath canning and the reason why, or steam canning, hot water bath or steam canning. And the reason why is because that is the easiest process to become comfortable with. Again, you can put up quite a bit of your harvest in that manner. It's not my favorite because there's only so much jams, jellies, pickled items you can put up. But at least start with a few jams, at least start with a few pickled items and get your feel for how to actually put up foods. From there, begin exploring into the pressure canner. A pressure canner is great if you want to put up carrots, green beans, soups, stews, meats, fish, things like that. There's no limit to what you, you can do. I'm going to also encourage you to grab a copy of my book, The Farm Girl's Guide to Preserving the Harvest. It takes you from the A to Z of home food preservation confidently and easily. The reason why is because I basically knew that it would be confusing to many newcomers to the world of preserving foods that I made it as simple as possible while giving you the maximum information that you need. Take a look at my website as well, too. There's a lot of tips, tricks, and trades to preserving foods. And um, look under the canning and preserving section. You're going to find everything that you're going to need there to just get started. But if you're going to do it, throw in some jams, throw in some jellies, throw in some pickled items, get a feel for that, but do not go crazy in those items because there's only so much of that you can actually consume in a year or two years or three years. Question number 11. I recently picked up a back to basic steam canner, but finding temperatures and such online is hard. 
I completely agree. When Back to Basics first released their Steam Canner, they weren't very clear in giving the information in regards to processing time for those particular items. Now, since it, the Steam Canner has been approved by the National Center for Home Food Preservation as a good and safe canning tool to use, okay, they did clarify that. The processing time for a steam canner and a hot water bath canner are exactly the same. So most of us um, bloggers who are out there writing uh, preserving blogs do not share the information on a steam canner because many of them do not have a steam canner. And so you just need to know that if it says hot water bath based on these elevations, you can count and rely on the fact that that is the exact same information that the National Center for Home Food Preservation is advising to be done for the steam canner. So if we're making pickles, for example, and it says process for 10 minutes, the steam canner will go ahead and process for 10 minutes in that particular appliance as well too. So hot water bath canner and steam canner require the exact same processing time and there's no difference for it. Question number 12. My mother-in-law bought me an Instapot saying she heard it could be used for canning. Is that so? If so, are there certain things you can and cannot do? You know, I am unsure as why Instapot thought that they can come out and share the information that people can actually can goods through pressure canning in this appliance, because that is so far from being true. There is nothing to, number one, determine the pounds per pressure within an Instapot in any way, shape, or form. There's no way to gauge. There's no dial gauge. There's nothing in there that can actually regulate what is happening in that. Certain items are pressure canned at a higher uh, PSI than others are. So, you know, I, I, I get and also based on location. I get it's a great selling item, you know, because the pressure and pressure are both in pressure canner and pressure cooker, but it's not. It is not the same appliance. It is not the same tool. And no, you should never, never use an Instapot to pressure can your food items. There's just no way around it. There is no particular way to do it. And if you look deeply into the manual for Instapot, even though the, the box says it, there's nothing in there that actually shares the information on there that's appropriate. The National Center for Home Food Preservation has come out and actually stated, please do not use this. You cannot regulate where it's at. Same thing, you know, canning green beans for four hours. It, there's just no feasible way to do it. So please avoid it. Even if the box states so, there is no way to regulate it. Regulate it. You cannot guarantee that all the bacteria is potentially removed from it during that processing time. It's a steady flow for what it's at, meaning that if you hit the pressure can, the pressure cooking button, it's the same temperature. There's nothing that actually elevates it or decreases it in any way, shape, or form. So please do not use an Instapot for pressure canning purposes. Lucky question number 13, our very last question for the day. It comes from Hannah. It takes forever for the pressure to come down to zero, at least 30 minutes after processing for the recommended amount of time. There is nothing more annoying than waiting for the pressure to come back down to zero, especially when you're pressure canning foods at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. Ask me how I know this. But there are reasons why you need to allow it to do it naturally and not mess with the release valve in any way, shape, or form. There's three major reasons. The first being that it can actually affect how the lid seals to the jar. Yes, between the immediate release, the lid does not have the opportunity to vacuum seal freely to the jar. So that's the first problem. The second problem is that you can cause jars to shatter within the canner. And you don't want that to happen. You've lost all your food, the jars, the time, the effort that went into it. 
So again, don't mess with the valve, allow the pressure to come down freely. And the third major tip I'm gonna give you is, is that be, if you start messing with the, um, the valve and forcing the pressure to drop, it can cause the liquid in your jars to siphon out, meaning that you're losing liquid in your jars and you don't want that to happen. The liquid is there to number one, help the quality of life of the food item to remain good. You know, it's not unsafe for you to lose liquid in your jars, but what it is is that the quality decreases in your food item if it's exposed and not underneath the water. So yes, as annoying as it is, and yes, it does take sometimes 30 minutes to do so, you do not want to mess with it and allow it to decompressurize, decompressurize itself freely without messing with it. Episode seven is now in the books with 13 great questions in regards to canning. If you guys have additional questions, feel free to message me on Facebook, Instagram, or shoot me an email. But until then, hold on to your questions because we are going to have another Q&A in the near future. Thank you, you guys for being a part of the Simple Homesteading Life podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and the notification bell and to stay in tune with us for each week's episode where you'll learn about gardening, preserving the harvest, cooking from scratch, and raising livestock. But more importantly, gain the comfort that you need to live a simple homesteading life. We'll see you guys next week. And don't forget to follow us on our website, our YouTube channel, Instagram, Facebook, and grab a copy of my book, The Farm Girl's Guide to Preserving the Harvest while you're at it. Have a great day, you guys. See you next time.